Bangers Austin, the compound that is Bangers Austin is run by two amazing guys, Ben Siegel, the owner, and Ted Prater, the head chef. Uh, I'm going to give you a warning ahead of time. I almost lost my voice right before this interview. So uh, I actually spent the morning not talking, drinking lots of tea. So I got a little scratch, but I think I sound all right. And it's really all about them. So just ignore my voice. If you haven't been to Bangers, they've got whole hogs going every weekend. They've got 200 plus beers at two different bars. You can buy a liter of beer. That's one of my favorite things to do there is just walk right in and get a giant liter of beer, maybe a sausage. Even their sides are served in ball jars with fried onions. I mean, they throw parties for South by Southwest. They do all kinds of events for celebrities and sports and really all the interesting things that come through Austin. They're taking it to the next level. I'm trying to take it to the next level in Austin as well. So this is not the last time you'll hear from Bangers, and I'm really working hard to cover them even more. If you haven't been out there before, it's a giant compound. It's three buildings. There's a smokehouse. There's the sausage and bar number one, kind of the building they started with. And then there's a second bar that's part of a three-story building that has a basement speakeasy and a hearth on the second floor. Literally thousands of people can party here, and the place isn't even full. Uh, but right now, I'm actually in Asheville, North Carolina at the Certified Angus Beef Conference. Uh, I'm going to be sitting down and talking to ranchers, the different boards and people that run and help make Certified Angus Beef what it is, and the butchers that are taking Certified Angus Beef and distributing it to your local supermarket or to your local butcher. Uh, it's really cool to be here. The entire hotel is booked up with Certified Angus Beef people, and I'm going to be digging through them for the next three days, finding out who they are, what they do more about this amazing beef product because a lot of us are eating it at our favorite barbecue joints and I'm here to get the story. For now, uh, enjoy this episode with Ben and Ted from Bangers. These two work so hard every day to bring great food, great beer, and a great time to the people of Austin. And uh, I can't wait to go back. Enjoy. Thank you for watching and or listening to the best barbecue show. I'm here at Bangers with Ted and Ben. How's it going, guys? It's going great, man. man. How you doing? Great day. Uh, you guys just got the uh, the patio paved, huh? It looked awesome. Man, I really appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of the tale of two pavers over there. It was a, uh, let's just say you get what you pay for. And uh, we tried to do it on a budget the first, first time around, so... Yeah. You know, we've learned a lot over the years of trying to ball on a budget. And, you know, we got the philosophy here that we prefer to pay for things two to three uh, times before we truly appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of appreciation around here, though. <clears throat> well, but at this point, you have a uh, uh, a complex. I don't. What do you call this? The compound. Compound. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, yeah. Kind so of a lot like the, a commune. Yeah. What are we on the third floor? Or the fourth floor, technically. Uh, second floor, but we got a basement, so third kind of depending on how you depending on how you cut it. But yeah, we're sitting in my office. And so this is a completely brand new building? 
Yeah. So this so uh, this building delivered uh, in uh, October 25th of 2018. We got our um, uh, our, our temporary certificate of occupancy. We opened the bar right below us in November, and then the smokehouse kind of at the end of November uh, of uh, 2018 as well. Now, was this awesome office with a big leather couch uh, part of the design, or I, I love the setup. I would say not part of the initial concept of bangers, but uh, you know, you build yourself a big building, you know, you find a small corner for an office. You know, I'm gonna be not? honest with you, this looks like real estate for an event program at some point in time. This office may become everything's for sale. Event area. <laughs> yeah, everything's for sale. <laughs> well, I mean, you made out good on the deal too, Ted. You got all kinds of places to cook, ferment. The, that that is true. We have a lot of lot of fun areas to play with, uh, you know, and it's kind of funny. It's uh, if we actually get the chance to do something, we we have this beautiful equipment that we've had a lot of people collaborate making it with us. Um, but at the end of the day, man, I'd rather give me a stack of bricks and just let me tear stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> well, so underneath us is <clears throat> you have a, a pickling room. Uh, there's some hams being fermented. You've got. Uh, a whole fridge to hang your your hogs and do you, are you are you kind of like aging them there or they're just staying there Man, before they we, get cooked? We have so many different projects going on that it gets kind of kind of kind of funny when, when when you do things like that. So like downstairs in the basement, we have a room that is uh, set at sixty four to seventy four degrees to where we can ferment, but then we also store our pickles in there. So it's our fermentation room and it is an actual approved HACCP facility down there. And then you go to our meat cooler and we have the meat rails that are hanging in there. And then like at any point in time, you'll see where I have different meats equalizing. So the way we had those coolers set up downstairs, we actually had the main cooler that holds at 36 degrees. It's supposed to like be our winter type room that would show the winter side. So when we start curing, we're curing in the winter times so where it would be in the hand belt and stuff like that. So we start curing at 36 degrees. We maintain through there. And then you got our sausage room. It's like 55 degrees that acts as spring. And then we got our cure room that we can jack in between 50 to 75 degrees so we can do our summer sweats and then we can hold back. So we just kind of go back and forth. All the rooms have a purpose. It just I can literally go rain man on you, and I'm going to stop there. <laughs> no, no, I was say, do you know another one? <laughs> well, you, you know, creating creating this building, creating all the food, uh, having 202 beer taps. I mean, you guys really you have to have a, a pretty strong team to do all this, right? Oh yeah. That or be really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, how many people are are now uh, in? In service of bangers. Um, so we're sitting at about 130 now, about Dang. 130 people that work here in that. I mean, that's everybody, right? So that includes, we have a lot of, you know, full-time salaried office staff, uh, you know, managers that are running the, you know, the different uh, hospitality components of the business and, uh, and then all of our frontline employees as well. Well, so for, for those people that don't necessarily know the story, you know, this, this street was just houses that mm -hmm. slowly got converted to bars. Mm -hmm. Where did y'all come in? How did, how did that kind of all start here? Yeah, so I mean, in, in terms of the history of Rainy, yeah, this is one of the oldest residential neighborhoods um, in Austin. So kind of over that way, for those that are watching the video version of this, uh, like in the middle of the properties at 81 Rainy Street, uh, that house is about 115 years old, kind of plus or minus. And uh, and so uh, for years, again, this was one of the original residential subdivisions. It was that forever, always kind of like a um, sort of a lower income, kind of working, working class, blue collar sort of a neighborhood. 
Uh, and in 2004, 2005, they changed the zoning from single family residential uh, to central business district, right? So essentially uh, very narrow zoning where you can only have houses to the most lax zoning that you could have, where you could build giant skyscrapers uh, or open up restaurants and bars. And so uh, the first one opened up in uh, 2009, that was Luster Pearl, uh, kind of on the end of the street, on the north end of the street. Uh, and we came in on kind of the, uh, I would say the front end of the second wave of bars that opened up. So we opened up in 2012, uh, the end of July of 2012. So, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. <clears throat> and kind of rain manager yeah, right there. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Well, <laughs> what, you know, what, what brought you to, you know, at first it was a lot of sausages. It was like a, a, a beer place. You know what? Was that the initial thing you wanted to do? Had you, you know, I, I'm not sure of your history as far as, you know, bars and restaurants. Yeah, so, it, it, so really, um, you know, so it started out, you know, we, Something that I've always been very proud of that we've done is sort of as big and expansive as the place is and kind of always has been, uh, it's always been very straightforward, right? Banger Sausage House and Beer Garden, you walk in and it's the Sausage House and Beer Garden. We sell sausage and beer. Uh, but always along with that, I think from the second month that we were open, uh, we were doing monthly animal roasts. And for the most part, we were cooking pigs. And so... Um, you know, a lot of that was just serendipitous. It was something that I thought was cool, but I had no idea how to do. And then uh, happened to hire the gentleman sitting next to me that knew how to do that. Uh, and so I had to harass him for the job, dude. <laughs> I literally had to threaten him that I was going to be working here, going to be drinking here. And I think he decided he'd rather have me drinking, uh, yeah. working here. <laughs> drinking here, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so so in a lot of ways, you know, what you see with this expansion is is really just the natural evolution of the things that we've been doing, right? A lot of it is, um, you know, uh, we, we've done a lot of work recently on, on our core values and, and really looking at, you know, one of those being excellence and sort of the concept of excellence within the restaurant or hospitality industry. And so much of that has to do with the tools that you have and the facilities that you have at your disposal, right? You need the passion, you need the love, you need all that stuff. But if you don't have the right tools for the job, then you can't do your job. And so when you walk through this building, a lot of it is, it's, it's not necessarily new stuff that we're doing. It's just the right facilities to, for us to be on the right side of the law. Uh, and then also just the ability to kind of do it to the, to the best that we can. And so at this point, you, know, you can have hundreds of people here eating and drinking and it's really a it, it's multiple levels of party yeah yeah so it's kind of three levels of fun over here uh <laughs> but the uh yes yeah, so our total capacity now if you were to kind of clear everything out and, and jam as many people as you could is 1800 people uh so about a thousand people in this building and then another 800 people um in the existing bangers so have you pushed it yet um, so, you know, we'll do huge events, right? So, so we've done, um, you know, one of the nice things is we're, we're, we're in the rainy street district, right? So you'll get, uh, but the one that's coming to mind right now is, is we had Audi come in and they came in with four or 5,000 people, but they've leased out basically every bar on the street. And so I think in that particular configuration, uh, we had a capacity of about 1200 people. And so we were cycling through sort of 1,200 people at a time out of a total of about four or 5,000 people. So the, the events is where we really see that huge volume, um, you know, at a given time. But even with that said, you know, on a, on, a, on a large, 
day of business, we can serve in excess of 2,000 people in a day, uh, and we're doing pretty consistently, you know, close to 10,000 people a week. Wow. Yeah. What does that equate to as far as hogs and meat and sausages? They, well, on average, we're making about 2,000 pounds of fresh sausage a week. Um, that's just on average. That doesn't mean when we do have the parties going on, we got the, you know, if we turn around and you look at the weather and we're 70 degrees Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, like we're going to blast through that number and go, go through that. So right now, currently, we're doing about 1,000 pounds of hog a week at a time and then as season comes on i'm looking to try to double that number so to be doing about two thousand pounds of hog a week is what i want to want to be doing so we cook pigs um thank you <laughs> it's got a philly goes uh, close to little, little, yeah. Little, little, yeah. 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 yeah it is what it is <laughs> um so yeah so we we don't cook pigs unless they're 200 to 240 pounds so we're bringing in five pigs a week right now and then we're, we're looking at up in that. And so you have more, are you kind of pushing the capacity now or you guys have more than enough room for all, the, all this stuff? In regards to people or product like or fridge? We're, we're, pu we're pushing capacity, even though we, we built it to absorb what we were doing. <laughs> but then like you build it and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, we still need another walk-in, you know? So no. like, you know, when we first designed the building, we weren't all the way sold that we were going to be doing barbecues about a year after design of the building. I mean, we were already building the pits because we were doing it for parties, but we didn't. It was about a year into the build out before we we're like, you know what, let's just go full fledged barbecue. Yeah, because that's what's interesting. You know, like, like I said before, we've been doing, um, you know, the, the doing a barbecue concept was really the third thought. Right. So. Um, you know, we started cooking whole animals and doing barbecue, you know, just as, as for special events. Once a month, we hosted something called Smokeout Saturdays. Um, you know, and again, it, 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 it was a, our, our, our opportunity to cook something with a face, as Chef Ted likes to say. Um, and, uh, and, then, uh, and then we started doing, you know, and then we had obviously the smoking that we were doing for the restaurant. So smoked sausages, we'd, we'd been producing bacon for a while, things like that. Uh, but then, you know, we kind of stumbled into this large scale private event business, which we talked about a little bit before. And for the most part, when people come here for an event and they're in Texas, they want barbecue. Right. So we were cooking barbecue. But our the way that we were doing it, like Ted said before, at first it was kind of cinder block pits. And then we got in trouble for that over and over again. Then we bought a competition smoker, which was fine. And, and, and they were OK with it for an interim period of time. But based on the volume that we would do in these special instances, it was still too small. So we designed the smokehouse, you know, again, the idea was, all right, prep for the restaurant and then to do these large scale events. But we were going to have all this excess time and capacity. And so we were like, well, shit, let's just open up a little barbecue concept. And, and then, you know, hogs is kind of what we knew and what we did. And um, there's so many unbelievable brisket places, you know, all around us within walking And I can't distance. cook a brisket for shit. Well, that's also, that's <laughs> actually not true. I was going to say, I bet you can cook yeah, a brisket a great job with brisket. I can make it fall apart and treat it like a bun or something yeah. like that. I run it low and slow, no bark. You be like that, I got you. <laughs> well, and I, I think the beauty of the, the city we live in and the state we're in is that there is enough brisket. There is enough of that stuff. So, the choice you made really allowed you to excel and grow as that. And a whole hog isn't, that's, that's not an easy feat. It's not like it's easier than cooking a brisket. It's mm -hmm. just different. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that, would you say the recipe has kind of been adjusted? Are you, 
do you go for different things on different hogs or are you kind of cooking them all the same now um i mean we we cook pigs so many different ways the uh, but right now we're mostly doing a if you're going to compare it to anything it'd be the closest thing to an eastern carolina style pig like what uh Sam Jones and them guys are doing out there. Skylight in, you know, it's all the same Crispy family. skin and all so, that. Yeah, crisping the skin up, using, like, you know, they're, they're using a little bit of a mix of wood. They use uh, the hickory and oak, which is commonly used that way. Down here, we're using all post oak because what we have. We are cooking our pigs directly over an ember base and a slow, slow style of doing it. Um, I think they run their pigs a little bit faster than we run ours. Um, that could be like the only difference and, and whatever. But you know, if you're going to try to compare it to something, it, that that'd be the closest thing to it. And and I, I we did we took a nice road trip out there, and, and those guys are nothing but sweethearts. They opened up their pits to us. They allowed us to look at it because beforehand, you know, I came from uh, Tennessee, and so I grew up cooking pigs. Where like you know, we make the skin like a leather football, but we make it beautiful, dude. Like I mean, they're sexy. They you know they look good. It's you know some guys try to you know call it like competition pig or whatever, but you know that's just the way we do it. We usually end up flipping it upside down, and then we just start throwing the bones over our shoulder, and we use the skin as is, and put our pool juice in there, and we use it as a serving bowl. Well, you got ten percent of your product is going to the trash can you could you could ideally be given back to the customer so it's like do you throw a, a dime out every time you get a dollar you know it just doesn't make sense so we ended up turning around and 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 crisp in the skin yeah and i mean not only that <laughs> but i mean you know again if you get that skin right and, and ted has really figured out how to get it right it's arguably the best part of the whole yeah. thing too so not only is the skin 10% of the weight of the animal, but man, like you get that crispy goodness. It's Yeah, it is. It, it, you get people like, oh, I don't want the skin in there. And then you, you give them the, like, the reference, like you ever have like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich Doritos? It's so freaking dope. And they're like, yeah, I have. Like, okay, well, cool. So it's treated like that, that and then you'll see it. <laughs> exactly. Now you get into it like, okay, I want the skin. It's, you know, so yeah, it, it gives a real neat crunch to it. It's a lot of fun. And is that, you know, you're, are you doing a flip kind of strategically in the cook mm -hmm. to, to get the skin? That is that is true. So what we do is uh, when we get done with barbecue service, um, we turn around, we pull a pig out, we throw it on the counter, ideally about five hours before we put it in. We put on uh, one side of a pig, we'll put about three pounds of salt on the outside of it, and that's going to turn around and it's going to draw, you know, a pig's not porous. There's no pores on a pig. But what you're going to do is you're going to draw all the moisture away from that skin. And then that's going to allow. So then we turn around, we put it in, we'll put it flesh up, uh, I mean, sorry, skin up with salt on it. And then the coals are underneath. And then so now you're cooking pretty much at your rib cage. And then the last couple hours of it, I'll turn around, I'll flip the pig, and then I'll start shoving coals all the way underneath it. And then slowly start braising that temperature up and putting more coals and more coals. And then what it'll do is it'll, call, it'll cause that skin to pull away from the meat. And then you end up with a separation in between where you can actually see the fat boiling all that, but it'll give that air gap so you can end up with that perfect, like, airy skin. Otherwise, like, you don't, you know, it won't crisp up. And so that's why if you look in our pits, like, our pigs literally sit on metal bars that are as thick as your uh, finger. And they're ideally spaced out about, I think I got them spaced nine inches apart going across. And then so it just sits there. So if you F up and forget. You go out there and your pig's in the bottom of the pit, and that sucks. 
Wow. <laughs> Hopefully that hasn't happened too many times. Oh, man, I've effed up everything. It's <laughs> it's happened a couple of times. I, I was even doing an event one time and just straight up dropped the pig, like, into the fire or, like, sitting there, like, pulling it off the coals, trying to make it look like we meant to do it as flames are coming up around us. But, you know, well, I remember it that. happens. What, uh, you know, what was the evolution? Did you, you know, tell us a story about when maybe you tried to crisp the skin for the first time or something like that? Um, well, Ben started, uh, really wanting me to do it. And, uh, and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, it, it took a little bit because it's like, you know, you fall in love with something that you do. And it's like, you know, anyone that knows me and knows of me knows I'm very proud to be from Tennessee. I'm very proud to be from the South. And so it was like, at first it wasn't like a, a fight back, but it was like, you know, I know how to crisp the skin when I do it on a rotisserie. I know how to crisp the skin when I do it in the oven. But in smokers, it didn't make sense to me because I put, I always built my fires way far over. And then you have just an indirect heat that's coming. And then I ran my pigs at a buck 80 for over 24 hours where it just like renders out and melts onto itself so you can pull it. So it was hard to get the concept of, not running that slow and that low for that long and to speed the process up and then when it was going to do it so like i said we we went on a road trip out there i i attempted to do a skin robert got a picture of it and he actually posted it and it it embarrassed me it was the ugliest pig i ever did dude like i mean it looked like someone the pictures still look cool someone though. spray yeah. painted it you really can't screw up that yeah guy. like rock rock robert like i mean come on make some of the ugliest guys like myself look beautiful on uh you know it is carried away <laughs> the uh so yeah we chris skins and the first time i did it i effed up second time i did it i effed up third time i did it, it got a little bit better and then it got better and then we went out we saw michael and sam and started talking to them and 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 studying like how they were doing it and then um you know just kept developing it and then probably i don't know after a bunch of times of effing up we got it right and now we do it right yeah i, I mean you got people <laughs> lining out the door to, to come eat it right yeah absolutely. <clears throat> that's what i tell myself at least <laughs> <laughs> well i mean was there a moment where you, you know, you're putting so much work and money and staff into this building and everything you're doing? Was there a moment where you're like, oh, shit, I hope all this works? Every morning, yeah, every morning, yeah. every morning we wake up like, are they going to come? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's the same, you know, it's being an entrepreneur is an interesting journey, you know, just an interesting journey of the mind. You know, there's just you know, it's hard to not have the self-doubt creep in. And, and, you know, you, you, you know, it's crazy, man. You can imagine some of the conversations I had with banks and they're like, so let me get this straight. You want how much money to build a beer, to build a sausage house and beer garden with a whole hog barbecue in the back? Like, why do you need all that money? You know? And, uh, so it, it, it's, you know, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, and, 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 and listen, truth be told, um, you know, again, that we, we're, we're building that business right now as well. You know, it's not the, the, the barbecue customer in Texas does not order whole hog, right? Like, it's just not that part of the world. They want brisket. But it's kind of the same concept of when we got into craft beer. You know, I mean, it was only seven years ago, uh, but it was still somewhat of a novelty at that time. And, and, and the line in the sand that we drew was having no major domestics uh on tap right and so really kind of forcing all the guys that wanted to get bud light 
into ordering something else. And so it was, at the time, a very risky, kind of unusual thing. I'm not claiming we're the first guys to have done it. Um, but same thing on the barbecue, right? Like we don't have brisket on the menu for that very reason. If we put brisket on the menu, it would be our best seller and they probably would line up because Ted does make a very good brisket. But we're not gonna do that because look, you, you gotta try the pig. It's something new, it's something special, it's something different. And then on top of that, man, like I'm not gonna bother trying to compete with some of the breast bis brisket makers in the like these guys around here like you know where i come from it's backyard cooking these guys are pit masters man your aaron franklin's your leanne's like all these guys and girls that just are, are running fire poking fires with sticks and just like doing the most incredible meats at freaking 300 degrees and he's ridiculous like it's not ridiculous it's just how they do it man it's like it's it's wild like i'm not going to compete with that man like that's worthless. It's like me taking my bicycle and calling up Lance Armstrong. Like, dude, you want to you know, take a little spin around the yard real quick Let's and race. see who's got this, you know? Like, yeah, it's just, you know, stay in your lane. <laughs> well, and I think that, I think the scene in general has a lot of respect for everyone, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, everyone knows who you are, Ted. And it, it's, it's beautiful to see that everyone shares the space. There's not really anyone saying, oh, don't go here or mine's better. Or even though everyone knows it, you know, you're all pushing what you're doing to the next level. No one's really worried about, you know, there is a Texas monthly list. There's these lists, but at the same time, you know, everyone's happy to see everyone else succeed, you know, mm -hmm. and I know that you have tons of other people when they have time that also cook barbecue, you know, when they have time that they'd love, they love coming here. I mean, how many sausages do you even have on the menu right now? Man, we're about 20, is it 20 in that neighborhood. Yeah. We kind of fluctuate between 20 and 30 over the years and, Sitting at about 20. And are those, you mostly serve them just the sausage and a bun and a, what's, for the people that, you know, aren't here or you're well, planning we, a trip to when Austin. You go, when you go to 79 Rainy, we have which is most. The, so, which is our beer hall, right? Yeah. So the way to think about it, 79's a beer hall, 81's a beer garden, and then we built basically a beer bar on the ground floor of 81 and a half Rainy. And then, so, on that side of property being the beer hall, we're doing, most of our sausages are coming out of a bun. We're based pretty much on a fresh sausage. Um, we do have uh, a smoked product sausage that we do serve over there. And then we have a couple of plate-ups that, that, that are on dishes. Um, and then you get to the smokehouse, and we're doing it by the link. So, yeah, I mean, we do sausages. Yeah, but we, <laughs> we and, and I, I and think buns. We, we used to get a lot more, um, we used to have some real exotic things on the menu, right? Like we used to do a, a fried chicken sausage. We had a shrimp and grit sausage um, and, uh, and, and, and used to do some, some pretty wild things like that and, and uh, just kind of customer tastes and, and then also just, quite frankly, just trying to adapt to the volume that we do, yeah. you know, you're just kind of, it, it, it kind of limits, you know, in a lot of ways, your gift is your curse in that regard, right? Like you're, we really are feeding the masses now. And so you got to watch that stuff, but we do like to still have fun with, yeah. uh, but we almost also killed a lot of people with our chicken one, man. We had it bound together like toothpicks and you had to count the picks and it was like four picks going in, four picks coming out and you get four picks. And then some of those, somehow it's like, I pulled all four and, Next thing you know, a customer's like, I just ate a toothpick. And then it's like, all right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, the habanero hot dog. So, oh, man. Oh, we, we lit up some kids, dude. We, we, had, we, had, uh, uh, we had a hot dog and we had a habanero hot dog. Well, they, looked, they looked identical. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, it was so proper be like, hot. There'd be like a little kid out there in the beer garden crying, and dad be like, suck it up, boy. Eat your food. It's like, it's burning. <laughs> Shut up, boy. And they, like, they turn around, take a bite of it. It's like, they're on fire. It's like, what are you doing to my kid? Yeah. Yeah. Those so we, we have lit some people up. <laughs> well, and so, you know, people, a lot of people are planning trips to Austin now just for the food. Mm-hmm. And y'all's whole hog is definitely on a lot of people's lists. Is there a, you got to get here early? I mean, you guys cook a lot. So does it last most of the day? The, so like, you know, we, we make, we make our food to, try to run it out as like we want to run it out but we also we were a very large restaurant so we want to keep up with the volume so on thursday you know we open up at one o'clock in the afternoon well you've been on rainy street on thursdays it's going to be a hit and miss it's either going to be balls to the wall or it's going to be not and so thursday there's a really good chance that we're going to be able to serve barbecue all the way up until nine o'clock now i'm trying to extend our hours up until 10 and i want to get multiple pigs going on at different times for pigs are coming off throughout the day and so that's what the goal is but you got to get the driving force behind it so like saturday we're selling out a pig on saturday we're selling out a pig on sunday well thursday and friday i'm not selling out yet keyword being yet and so um you know it's just getting that getting that proper balance to it but you know we're we're coming out what we call it a slow season because we live here in Texas and it's freaking been a hundred plus degrees up until so like yesterday. So and like even yesterday it was like I think we got up to a hundred during the day, but then we're at seventies at night. So we're now starting to start seeing that traction where, you know, dinner thirties kicking on. We're getting our tourists back. Our locals are now coming back out again because it's not so freaking hot. And uh yeah, I mean, look, I think the bottom line is, you know, it's not Franklin Barbecue, right? So you're not, you're not looking to get here two hours before we open to, uh, to kind of wait in line. And, you know, again, unless, except for Sundays, I'd caution people on Sundays because we do have a Sunday brunch that's unbelievably popular, and, and that is something where you have a Franklin Barbecue-style line that goes kind of down the street. What's, uh, what brings everyone out for lunch? You guys make pancakes or what? For yeah. brunch? Yeah. Um, <laughs> where, where do we start with it? So uh, we, we, have, we have like our, our – our, it's got to become world famous. And it's just kind of funny because it was just kind of like a gimmick one day and it just turned into this huge thing. But, we you know, we have our mamosa, which is uh, a whole bottle of champagne in a glass with about four ounces of juice, dude. Like, you know, you want to get your Sunday started. Get there a whole bottle of champagne yeah. rolling down, you, you so know? Fun. So, and then you know we've got barbecue going on that day. We also do. We have anywhere from a nine to a thirteen-piece brass band. It's just getting rowdy, starting off at ten o'clock in the morning, um, and then we carry music all the way up until four o'clock in the afternoon. So, like Sunday is fun day and in the city of austin where brunch is king and if you're not doing brunch in austin it's like why are you even up on a sunday exactly. like everybody does brunch on sunday that's so going to be the first thing you're going to you're wake up you're going to meet up with your friends you're going to go out you're going to get banged up whatever you do go home take a nap do yard work go to work the following day you know yeah i mean i i think that um you know we 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 work hard to have really excellent food and drinks, right? But, but I think as much as anything else, we've really created and invested in a really wonderful environment here, right? And, and just kind of really good vibes in the place and a really comfortable place to sit down and spend a bunch of time. And so um, I think you've got that going for you. And then obviously all the crazy concoctions that Chef Ted has, <laughs> has cooked up and, uh, you know, it, it, it all equals a good time. Well, tell us more of the story about how you guys met. 
Craigslist, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it, you know, so I, it, it's funny. So I, I um, you know, I entered the restaurant industry as, as, a, as a complete outsider. I mean, hadn't uh, even waited tables in college. I mean, nothing. And um, so in particular, when I moved to Austin to open up Bangers, um, you know, one of the, I guess it was, it was the, the labor market was not what it is now. It was kind of easier to hire people up than it is today. There were just less restaurants, I guess. Um, and, uh, and so I'd put kind of a, a, a restriction that said, you know, the chef that I hire has to have been an executive chef that was working in Austin prior to working for me so that I could leverage off of the vendor relationships that they had. Okay. And so Ted applied for the job and, and, you know, and he had a wonderful resume and he wrote a really nice letter, but he wasn't, he, he was coming from Tennessee. He didn't, he didn't meet that requirement. And so I, I, I brushed it off, right. And, and actually ended up hiring a different executive chef. Um, and so Ted ended up coming down, um, you know, actually I think he had moved down at that point in time and, and, and sort of kept like he alluded to before sort of barged in my office and was like, Hey, man, I'm, like, I'm the guy that sent you that, you know, that sent you that resume, whatever. And I said, Oh, I got it. You know? And, and, uh, so we sat down and talked and I told him that story. I just told you. And, um, and, and he's like, look, man, he goes, you know, look me up. I'm a legit chef. Like I'm just coming to town. And, and, and he's like, listen, I really believe in what it is that you're doing and, and whether I'm a customer or I come to work for you, like I want to be a part of this place. And I'm like, man, I, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. And, um, and so I got with the, the chef that I'd hired at the time was a really great guy, but he was a really young chef and, uh, and Ted's resume is real stout. And so I was like, Hey, you know, this guy wants to work here. I mean, this seems like a no brainer. And, and he kind of looks at the resume and is like, cool, I'll call him. And he's like, I'm not fucking calling this guy. And I'm like, going to take my job. And, uh, and so a little time passed and I checked in, I'm like, Hey, you call that guy, right? And he goes, Oh no, I haven't got around to it. I'm like, call that guy. And, uh, so anyway, so he ends up calling Ted and hires him on and, um, no, I don't think you call me yet. Didn't I send you an email? Like, I guess, I guess, I guess you're you're not going to hit me up one way or the other. I know you're going to be creating an empire. I yeah. will help you take this empire to the so, next level. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been seven call years, Daddy but back. that sounds right. <laughs> so anyway, so either way, we get Ted in, and 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 so then Ted's like, all right, he he's got another job, but he's going to be working part time, and he's going to be heading up kind of our prep team. Uh, and then the existing chef was 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 doing the chef thing, and and again, he, he was a great guy, and he worked hard just in over his head. I mean, we opened busy, you know, and, uh, and so we got about two months in and then, and then we got to Oktoberfest and like all these little cracks that were going everywhere, right? Like all just broke and like we had a big problem. Uh, and so long story short, uh, we, you know, slid, we let that guy go and Ted slid over from the prep kitchen and we were like, hey, man, you know, we're going to be doing an executive chef search. We'd love for you to apply for the job. And, and in the meantime, you know, you mind doing the job. And uh, we never interviewed anybody else. Boom. Yeah. Chef Ted forever. Chef Ted forever, baby. That's, that, that might be a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, you guys have a, you have, you have a strong following. You know, you, you've got the cool merch. Uh, <clears throat> do you have, uh, from day to day, are, you, you must have some real champions. I mean, you've got thousands of people moving into these buildings that are all around you, so the neighbors must love it, besides maybe the music. 
Yeah, I mean, and we even do a good job with that. You know, I'm, I'm actually, uh, um, I'm the founder and president of the Rainy Business Coalition as well. So shout yes. out to all the businesses <laughs> on the street. Um, and so, you know, we, we actually do our best to, to play nice with our neighbors. And, and, you know, with just a couple of exceptions, we have really good actors on the street. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I and, and I think because of that, you know, we, we, uh, we do have a lot of really good fans that, that, that come here on a regular basis. But uh, but we also do a huge tourist business as well, right? I mean, we are on Rainy Street. We are walking distance from the convention center. We are right downtown. Uh, and so um, there's a, a huge kind of transient business that, that, that finds its way here. It's kind of funny that you say that. So, like, with it, um, you know, we've learned in the past that we, we do have to let our neighbors know when we're going to be closed for the day because it will affect everybody else's business of, like, just getting crushed because we, you know, we turn around and, you know, we're upwards of serving a, a good, good couple, three people a day. And when you're doing that and you're not open, those people need to go someplace else. And they, especially when there's only a handful of bars that were opened up on the street, uh, they, they would just get crushed if it, when we shut down. So we try to let everyone know if we're going to close for, for events and whatever. So they're yeah. aware. So they know to staff up. Well, and speaking of, uh, I, I was cruising around rainy street during South by, this last year and and you guys had huge lines i think a lot of them were getting into the speakeasy downstairs yeah yeah so we uh you know so south by is a different beast right and i mean that kind of goes into another part of our model here which is um the large-scale private events and so obviously south by kind of being the the super bowl super bowl of large-scale private events yeah so last year we did so that basement party was something we did with netflix for their highwayman uh um deal and, and so it was pretty cool you had Matthew McConaughey here and Woody Harrelson here and Willie Nelson was in the house and so it was there's some pretty cool pictures floating around online uh we did a party with StubHub uh as well which we've hosted them for I think the last three or four years um so yeah South Baza was a uh man we've had some wild people too come on I mean we've had Justin Bieber play on stage seen uh Jeff Bridges play on our stage Ludacris Ludacris uh band of horses spoons so we've had i mean we've had a guy ton clark of, jr yeah, clark, yeah. Man, we, we've had we've had just a lot of just uh big haters come and play on the stage when you turn around and think about it you know it's like so freaking cool you know it's like you know like i would never in my life going to go see justin bieber but seen him you know, matter of fact, we did security for him. That was pretty also, scary too, man. Like the security guards, true. like literally telling us, like, you need to come here and stay. And like at the time, I was still drinking. I had a couple. Of, I'm like, dude, these are like 14 year old girls. No, they're not. They're freaking ninjas, dude. They will mace you. They will stun gun you. All they want to do is touch him. You stop them. Punch her in the face. I'm like, what? No, I'm not punching a 13 year old in the face. They're not 13s. They're ninjas. It's like, okay, cool. That was wild. <laughs> Well, and I mean, it's got to only go up from here, right? Do you have uh, do you have some regulars, or I mean, now that you have the space, do you have some people that kind of ask for some private dining, or you know, come to eat that kind of don't want to be bothered? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, I mean, you look, I mean, in terms of like private dining, um, I mean, that's kind of the opposite of the of the vibe, right? I mean, totally, it's all communal, it's big and wide, and and I think that's another thing that I'm proud of that we've held on to is. We're not trying to please everybody, right? We're trying to be ourselves, and by by being ourselves, we're going to appeal to a segment of the population, and and that's who we're trying to please, not not people that are outside of that, you know. Uh, now, having said that, from an events perspective, we've got private spaces. It's just like three hundred person private spaces, and, yeah. and, and it's just gone on a little bit of a larger scale. Uh, 
Well, and so from this whole build out, I mean, there's custom wallpaper in the basement. Yeah. You've got all these different kinds of foods you're making. Do you have a favorite project or a fun story from all of this work you've done in the last few years? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that it's uh, it's fun to kind of walk around, right? Because it, it, it's, you know, in a lot of ways, um, you know, there, there, there's so many wonderful craftsmen and artisans that, that, that work and operate here uh, in Austin, right? And, and, and uh, you know, when you go around, you know, you, you can just kind of see them there from, from Ryan Newland from uh, Backline Fabrication who – uh, who did all of our, you know, equipment in the pit room, uh, you know, the guys from, you know, Christian and Matt from Drop House Design that did the actual structure of the smokehouse. You got Matt and Caleb from Millscale that did our, uh, our equipment in the, uh, um, in, the, uh, in the fireplace on the L2 deck. Uh, Boomer from Boomtown Design who did a lot of the woodwork, kind of our, uh, that big butcher block table where we talked about in yeah. the interview. He did that. He also did our butcher block bar top. I love um, huge butcher blocks. Man, we have a, you know, yeah, we have Even a, with that, I mean, Ryan, Ryan, I mean, like even our bathroom stalls, the guy that built our pits built the bathroom stalls because yeah. they're metal. The the back bar, we rotted out that bar over there that was made out of wood and brass so many times that now is metal. The same guy that built the pits, Ryan, from uh, Backline, man, he built the bar over here. It's just painted white. So, and then there's a bar downstairs that rolls around. It looks like a wooden bar with brass inlays and it's, it's, Aluminum. We had a we had a steel or aluminum. Aluminum. We had a we had an expo that worked for us for years. A guy named Aaron Ramsdale. He built almost all the tables in here and was a kind of the woodworker. Yeah. And then all the woodworkers hanging in here. He actually put up. Yeah. Oh. So I mean, there's a bunch of you know, it's just it's a bunch of stuff. I think one of the cool things about this place is it is it is an evolution, right? And again, like we talked about the first thing out of the interview, right, was putting those pavers down, right? When we just finished construction. And that's a big job, right? I mean, for most restaurants, they're not doing projects of that scale. And I don't want to say we did it on a whim. I've been talking about doing that for years, right? But it's, 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 it's that kind of stuff, right? And, 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 you know, every year there's two, three, four things that I've got in the back of my mind or that we're talking about as a team uh, that we're looking to implement. And that, that gives the, um, you know, not only our staff, and, you know, I do staff orientation as well, and we talk about that, but also our customers kind of the, the not, not even the illusion, but the reality of growing along with us and evolving with us. And I think that's an exciting part of this place and an exciting part of our story and our appeal. Well, and it shows how much the evolution of this and just how much a, a restaurant or a bar can give to the local economy. And mm -hmm. you're, you're listing off very talented locals who all put a different hand into, into the process. And yep. I'm guessing... They probably come by all the time to see their work as well. Yeah, man, um, absolutely. And 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 you know we, uh, uh, it's something that we're really proud of. You know, and 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 again, it, it's just trying to be in, being a part of this city. You know, the city's given so much to me personally, my family, and I know Ted feels the same way. And and uh, it's just a, uh, it's an honor to be able to repay that in a certain extent, right? And and not only from the allowing you know the people giving 130 people a place to work giving artisans a place to you know sort of create and do stuff uh, but also give that many people a place to gather and, and and you know create community and hang out drink some beers and eat some barbecue well and do you you know i'm guessing i think i met one of the young ladies that is in charge of the beer but you have you have staff members whose full-time job is just the beer list, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, on the beer side of things, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've got a, you know, so there's there's Scott Davis, who's our uh, beverage director. But then we've got a whole seven-member committee that's made up of staff uh, called the committee. 
uh, and they meet once a week. It's a volunteer committee, and they, uh, they've got four pillars, so they curate the whole tap wall. They're in charge of the tap wall maintenance. Uh, they do brewery relations and then are also in charge of the education of our staff and our customers. And, um, you know, and that's, that's really an amazing thing that's been going on for four or five years now that we've been doing that. We've got the same thing on the food side, something called the Fellowship of the Food, uh, which is, you know, an opportunity for us to, you know, kind of mm. test out menu ideas and uh, talk about food and analyze food. And, and uh, so it's, it's that, that concept of decentralization, right, and, 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 and pulling those frontline employees all the way up and saying, hey, what are you seeing? What do you think? What, do you, what, what would you like to do here? Um, I also think is a big part of our success and a big part of our culture. Yeah. And also with that, I mean, you turn around, you, just to even talk about our beer program, it's not like it just developed. It was like, you know, you go back, we had Chris, Chris Booth was a young yeah. man's name that started off here who mm -hmm. at the time was like the only level two Cicerone around and, and many parts. And, and so he started off our beer program. And with him, you had a, a whole group of young men and women that brought with his following that came in here to work with him. And then from there, Courtney Strange no, fell in. Who was right it. before Courtney? Um, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, he ended up going down to Oregon. The, um, Tim? No. Real nice guy. Yeah, but well, they're all pretty nice. Andy, he's, he's out there working at a brewery right now. He just sent you something not too anyways, long ago from there. Yeah. yeah. We just had a lot, a, lot, a lot of great people come in, but not only that, man, dude, think about the beer community, period, about all these guys around here, the Austin Beer Works, uh, you know, Jester King, all these guys that have been nothing but want to come down, educate our staff, invite us out, and allow our staff to come and view their facilities. And it's just, you know, the, the open book culture that we have here, what we want to share with everybody and then the other people in our community that want to be an open book and share what they have it's just re really amazing and that and, and just to echo what ted said i mean and i know that you you probably are, have a window into this as much as anyone else right but we're we're part of these two amazing worlds in in barbecue and beer right of just like you know because in in both cases it's more or less a science experiment right and so you have these like generally pretty smart pretty interesting people and, and a lot of stories of people that had kind of other careers and then we're like, you know what? I'm gonna kind of go for my passion. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do me now. And so you have a lot of inspiring stories. And um, you know, I just, I, I know, I just feel very uh, fortunate to to be a part of two just amazing communities in that way. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, I, I have, I still have a, a functional real estate license, but I'm using it less and less because I'm working so hard to create the show, to stay in the community. Because it's just every day there's something happening. Every week there's a new restaurant. Uh, and new event. What'd you say? I said a new barbecue event. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I mean, I just got a request from someone to fly me out to a certified Angus beef conference uh, in, in North Carolina. And it's like, nice. Yeah, it sounds cool. Um, but, you know, I might not even have time to do that. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's so cool to see, you know, you guys have <clears throat> so many great contacts, so many great people. You're throwing parties every day. That, that people are just, I mean, you, you hosted a, an incredible party in your backyard for, you know, that Robert Lerma put together. Yeah. Uh, where there was. Our backyard. Pets. Yeah. Me and Ted are roommates. <laughs> uh, nice. There you go. See? Yeah. And, and, but like, it's so interesting to see all these people come together because when, it, when have you ever heard of, oh, 20 chefs 
from all over are all going to cook. Just for fun. Yeah, just for fun. That was wild, man. That was it so was, wild. man. That was to amazing. To be, be sitting here with all those big hitters, too, man. Like, those guys are at the top of the game, man. To be, you know, to be able to sit side by side and cook food with those guys, that was just awesome. When you just had your one-year anniversary, or no, seven. your seven-year anniversary, but it was, uh, it, it was so cool to see who came out to that, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you had... You had some special food. You had all kinds of special things, and <clears throat> it was so cool to see. Um, just everyone wants to come out of the woodwork, you know. Yep. Uh, people just want to come here to drink beer and eat. But when there's something special going on, you know, you, you've got the 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 flyer was like it was almost hard to read on Instagram. There was so much stuff <laughs> listed on. And then Evan from Leroy and Lewis came out, yeah, exactly. and him and his crew, and we got to cook side by side, and and so you know, yeah, man, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. and you know Evans been working out of a truck, but he's got a general manager. You know, I was talking to him about him and Sawyer about how they're you know as much as they're they're a small operation, they're still taking it very seriously, mm-hmm. so that when they have the opportunity like this, they can really scale with it. Uh, was there a time where, like? Are you guys going to take over 82 and 84 and <laughs> what's, what's next? Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I think the footprint that you see now is, is, is kind of where we're at, you know, but, but having said that, there's a lot of, um, you know, part of the vision for what we built was, um, infrastructure, right? And so there's a, there's a five to 10 year timeline for what we did, you know, and when it's all said and done, there's room for up to five different restaurant concepts sort of within this compound. And so, um, you know, really for me, it's, it's, it's about, you know, it's kind of two things. It's about enjoying my life and doing a really good job. Right. And so, you know, we've got a competent enough team and, 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 and supportive enough investors and all of that, that, uh, we could knock everything out probably in about two years and have everything fully built and, but then it's like, what would you do, you know? And, and then also, how, how good would it be? How much focus and intentionality could you have with all the stuff that, that we're trying to do? And so in my mind, it's like, hey, let's, let's really do our best to focus on what we're doing, which is hard because, you know, there's, there's so much opportunity, right, that, that this space allows for us, right? And there's so many creative pe- and talented people in our organization that, that have ideas and want to do more. And so, quite frankly, a lot of my job, which is a big flex for me because this is not my nature, has really turned into let's actually not do that, right? Let's actually slow down. Like the answer is no. Like we're not going to do that right now. Um, and uh, um, you know, and so just to just to really take time and and try to be present and and enjoy the things that we're doing when we're doing them, and not really focus too far down the road. And and then once something's stabilized and and we're really happy with where it is, then the nice thing is we have like this backlog of projects kind of that we can then pivot to. But then not also the pressure that we need to do it, right? Like the mothership kind of keeps us satiated, you know, and so it gives us the luxury of doing things like a ham program, you know, in the cure room that, you know, we'll have a year before we know if we screwed up or not, you know, and then it's like, but it's all good, you know. It's Way all to be good. the first time I screwed up. Yeah, you know, but it's just, it's like, you know, we have a, a motto here that it's, you know, it's a, you know, it's about profitability, not profit maximization, right? You got to make money or the game's over, but you know, the intention is not to try to squeeze every dime we can out of this place. Otherwise, you really can't have any fun. Well, and, and it sounds like you're making smart moves. I mean, <clears throat> not a lot of places trust their staff to have multiple councils to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of empowerment is what makes people 
you know, work here for life, what makes people live here, not just show up and be like, okay, I guess I work at the sausage place. You know, and, and I love seeing that because a lot of people don't realize that they they work for their staff as much as the staff works for them. Mm-hmm. And in barbecue, you see it more and more because the great places, they're creating a culture. They're creating a place where the staff can, you know, my, my favorite is, uh, there, there's more than one time where I've been talking to you and you just kind of, you pass it off and you're like, no, talk to Ted, talk to me because, because you, because you're empowering them and, and, and telling them like, no, no, this is them. I'm just here like moving around all the boxes, you know, mm-hmm. and it's cool to see. Um, and so one of the questions I always ask people on the show is, you know, what's your message to people who they might have a restaurant that they're trying to expand or they might just be cooking their first cook at their restaurant, um, at their trailer. Uh, what's your message to the aspiring people who, who want to create the culture that you guys have done so well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, you know, one of the biggest things that it's kind of ironic, but, uh, but, you know, once you have a business and, and, and you're pretty successful at it, you, you get a lot of people that want to come in and talk to you about the business that you're in. And, and uh, the number of people that, that are interested in, in opening a restaurant and then the story is, hey, I'm going to do this, but then I can kind of quickly pivot and do something else and that'll just kind of run itself. <laughs> such a death wish man you know it's like this this is a this is not a business for the faint of heart you know it's it's but it but it it, but if it's so i guess my message would be get in this business if you want to be in this business because in my mind that's really the only way to be in this business you know to try to be disconnected to try to set something up on autopilot or something like that um i to me is just a recipe for failure and so it's a it is a big time commitment, you know, um, and, and you're going to pour a lot of your heart and soul into it. Uh, but you're going to get to work with just such wonderful people that are drawn to the hospitality industry. And, um, you know, you, you really do get all walks of life that are not only working here, but then that also come into it. Right. And so, um, yeah, man, I guess it would be, you know, if you want to get in the business, make sure you actually want to be in the business. Make sure you got some money, too. <laughs> yeah, run out of money, the game's over. Well, you know, what's your message to the guys that just want to cook and maybe they're not happy with their hog skin or something else they're cooking? Keep effing up. <laughs> fix it. You know what I mean? If you're not, if you're not failing, you're not gaining. You know, you got you got to fall down before you can, you know, keep moving forward. So don't be, don't be afraid to – Step out of the box and try something new. If you just keep doing the same thing, man, you're just gonna you're just gonna be boring. So just keep pushing it. So and so your 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 agent hams. Is there any other any other things on your list of experiments? Uh, got all kinds of weird stuff going on at all times. You know, we uh, um, you know I, if you walk by the meat case right now downstairs, it kind of looks like wind chimes of jowls hanging up. Uh, we got fermentation products going on, uh, vegetables. Um, I've got some meat fermenting right now for a dry sausage that we're making for Oktoberfest. Um, you know, we bury things in ashes. We, yeah, Ted's you know, been playing a lot with kind of cooking vegetables and coals. He's been reading a lot of books about yeah, that. And yeah. uh, we've got a, um, uh, you know, playing with you know kind of introducing some more sandwiches into the smokehouse and so ted's been doing some really cool stuff with that yeah just messing around reading like a lot of really old school uh southern appalachian mountain kind of backwood stuff and 
it's kind of my mission right now is I burn a lot of wood and I want to slow down on the amount of wood I burn and, and reduce my wood usage and get more maximization out of, you know, if I got a hog box running at 200 degrees overnight, I want to be cooking in those coals and those ashes in there. And then that way, just trying to maximize what we're actually using our fuel source for and make the best out of it and try to try to save some of the trees here in Texas. Yeah, I've seen a, when I saw Elliot Moss cook in Houston, I was impressed with, he was actually putting uh, green beans under the hog so that it caught all the juices yeah. that were dropping down. And it's cool to see how you can almost create like a tears of, you know, cook something underneath the hog, maybe have something catch the convection on top of the hog. And yeah, Elliot, could, Elliot's a badass though, man. Like, you, badass. you got, yeah, man, that dude's a mad scientist. You ever been down to his place? No, not yet. Man, you, got, you go awesome. in there and you open up his boxes. He's got shit hanging stuff and things underneath his pig. He's got stuff hanging from the rafters man you go up and you know office is downstairs there's stuff hanging there you go upstairs in the little little uh loft or whatever there's stuff hanging there he's so cool but it's funny you know <laughs> you bring that up you know it's like one of the things that we've you know one of the problems that we've had sometimes with, with people that have come to work for us you know kind of traditional texas barbecue guys is you know they're just used to you know poking a fire once an hour and then sitting in a lawn chair and not doing a whole lot else and it's like that ain't this job man like you're doing that and then you're cooking right because it's you know especially in that in the smokehouse one of the things that we're real proud of is you know all of the sides that we have we're cooking in cast irons like over fire right and, and so that those those guys that are cooking the hogs you know in, in you know kind of in those morning hours are doing a lot of prep and a lot of that cooking and stuff and so it's been um either a uh, an interesting transition for those guys or a uh, yeah the same for me. yeah we we got we got we got you know like our, our main pit dude is uh, alex bender man and that guy is just hands down badass dude like he comes in throws a pig on starts stripping greens baking beans doing this and that and then comes in like i show up in the morning he's like all right this is where we're at i'll see you later it is like you know it's just, just awesome to to be you know the the talent of the guys down here that that are, are willing to come and hang out with us that that are that are coming over just hands down some of the best guys out there you know well and i appreciate y'all i mean it, it wouldn't have happened with either of you so it's cool to see what you two have put together what you've created this now enormous space uh, <laughs> i just don't even know how to express it because you know obviously i'll cut in some some video of it but it's just it's just stupendous and i really appreciate that you guys have pushed yourselves and and have cooked <clears throat> and 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 you serve 202 beers and i can get a liter mm -hmm. so like just that is enough if i could just get a liter of beer at more <laughs> places in town i'd be i'd be so happy yes sir but uh you know I, I know you guys have stuff to do i've taken an hour of your time and i, I really thank you ben and ted because uh you know you guys have a lot to do and it, it's beautiful to see and uh I hope the fans have time to to come by, whether they're in town or not, because uh, Bangers is really and it, please, there's nothing like it. Please right do, on. and if you are in town, and you do want to come by, man. I love showing off what we got. <laughs> I would love to walk you into our cure room. I would love to show you our pickle you room. Go. I would love to show you our pit room. Open invitation. I would love to put you to work, man. You want to come <laughs> and hang out? You just want to hang out overnight and poke 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 at the pig and all that? Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take you up on that here. I want to thank you as well, man, for everything you've done for oh, barbecue please. and barbecue culture, and and thank you know, you. big fan of your show and and you as an individual, man. So. Real cool, chill guy, and uh, yeah, appreciate that. Hey, 
thank you guys and thank you you know this is not this is not the last time you'll be on the show and uh I hope to uh, I hope to be back here soon. Right on. Thank you. Awesome, Thanks. man. Thanks, dude. Hey, come in and meet man. Y'all see me eat man. Hit on the meat man. Y'all see me eat man. I got jaws like a bear trap, a teeth like a razor. I made tack tongue with a sensitive taster. I born out in Texas called the land of beef. Never catch a muscle green to show the hell of like a meat on the meat man. Y'all see me eat man. Woo!